It's like when we're chatting about music, like music saving my life. Well, I would like to sort of help someone find something to save theirs. Welcome back to the Include Youth Podcast. We are back with your hosts, myself, Niall Cook and Ronan Boyle. Imagine this. Imagine being in care at 11 and the journey and the resilience it takes to go full circle. Our guest, uh, singer and songwriter and family man, Glenn Harkin, has made that journey. As part of the Include You podcast, we want to bring you these stories. These stories won't be all sunshine and light. It is the experience of the care experienced young people who have faced these challenges and this adversity. Through this podcast, you will hear young people's truth and what has affected their own lives. So let's get on it and hear Glenn's story. How's it going, Glenn? Not too bad. Glenn, you went into care at 11. That's a very young age. I would almost say it's a life-changing experience. Could you tell me your story? Yeah, no problem. Um, what do you call it? Well, I was 11 years of age and my father passed away. day from suicide. And uh, my mum just couldn't cope. She, uh, I mean, she had five children to look after. Her husband just died. And... Uh, she just, uh, yeah, she just um, couldn't cope. Couldn't cope with it, and we got help from family at the start, but you know, it was sort of there's only so much somebody can do. And then, uh, so uh, social services got involved, and I was talking to care home in Derry, and uh, I was there until I was well, not and just in one care home, but I was. Uh, back and forth from different care homes and from until I was eighteen. How did you transition from being at home to care home? What was the what was the process? Um, it was really difficult at the start. You know what I mean? Because um, so the, the transition from going from home to care was difficult. They get used to. Um, to be honest, I don't think I ever got used to it. Uh, being away from family and not seeing. My mother, my brothers and sisters every day. It took a long time to, you know, for that you know, that routine day. Where are you within the family, oldest, youngest? Uh, I was the oldest. Um, so, yeah. But um, in between that, I, I sort of moved them family for a while. And uh, I was going all right at the start. And then I started misbehaving and got a wee bit uncontrollable. So I went back into care then. And... Uh, and then from that time, that's when I, I stayed in Kerry until I was 18. Were you in school at this time? Uh, I was in school. Um, I went from, like, the uh, I was the most improved student. And then I, uh, my father passed away and I just stopped going. I lost all interest and, uh, lost all interest in friends and uh, school workers. Didn't, didn't really uh, want to be around anybody here. I had no interest in teachers or schoolwork or anything, so I, I just started doing my own thing, which was smoking and drinking and doing stuff like that. And uh, and the only reason why I think that I was doing that was because there was no one there to tell me I couldn't, and nobody could because I just went, here, here are you to tell me to do what I should know. Because to me, the only people that could have spoke to me were, were gone. That would have been my father and my grandfather at that time. Really interesting stuff, Glenn. Um, Glenn, so you went down the care at 11, um, and how did that develop through 
from initially going in the care and the, the shock of being on your own and mm. without family and, and you're talking there about your behaviour changed and yeah. you sort of didn't care because you didn't have your father figures around, your yeah. grandfather. Yeah. And yeah. How did that, How did what developed from that? Well, uh, it, uh, it, it just got, I was sort of being coming, I was sort of getting out of control a wee bit, you know. I started uh, like experiment with uh, weed and stuff like that and uh, drinking and uh, disappearing for, you know, like, you had an end time. Absconding. I uh, absconding. I was in, uh, I would have just left and they would, nobody knew where I was. So they thought maybe sending me to uh, a JJC. Or a JJC with the Juvenile Justice Centre? Yeah. So, so what age did you, did I you was, go to? I think it was 14. And what 14. was that experience like? Um, well, that's... Uh, the, uh, I sort of went in there with a bad attitude sort of thing. I was like... And, uh, First day, I'll never forget. There was like a boy with a cross, took it off, and everybody was like, "Oh, watch out for that boy, or whatever." And I was like, Fuck. "And uh, I was like, ah, oh, be alright." But then, as the longer I was on there, I just I was sort of looking around me, and I was like, "I'm not this." You know what I mean? That's not me. I'm not meant to be. Yeah. Locked up. You know what I mean? So, and I, I, to me, it just I, I was like. You could see the like the the proper jail or whatever. You could see it from where I was, and I was like, I ain't going there. So, um, I I decided I I told everybody in there. I was like, you'll never see me again. I was in there for six weeks, and I was like, you'll never ever see my face again. And they never did. Thank God. So. That was a massive. But when I came, part. Uh, and then I came out, and uh, and then that's when I put all my focus on the something that I love, like which was music. So, do you want to tell us a wee bit about music? How how important was music to you at that time? Yeah, well, music um, uh, became very important after my dad's passing. It was like a way I felt close to him. I listened to music, especially the music that he liked. So it felt like you no, know, it was like a a way of understanding him. And so uh, that's where I always loved music. But after he passed, it became like a more a more important to me and then I sort of was messing about playing the guitar I had a guitar I decided that I wanted to write a song about my father and uh, so I was like alright I'll learn three chords just so I can put a tune to it and I wrote the song when I was 11 and that's where I started with the music but I sort of put it away for a wee while did that one song and then when I came out of the JJC um, I was like right I'm going to put all my energy in the music and what what do you call the song, Lynn? Uh, Devil's One. Um, I think it's a good time they actually play the song. You don't mind? Okay. <laughs> I remember the sign so you had a tear in your eye. Standing at the door, the soul left your body. Oh, just go, your call. Mama, she was crying. 
Absolutely fantastic, Glenn. Glenn, where, where, where did the, the title was the devil? The devil's one. Where did yeah. where did that come from? Um, well, that was the one of the last things I remember my father saying. Um, we were all sitting at the bottom of the bed, and, and uh, that's one of the things that I remember. And that was one of the words that he, one of the things that he said, and that always stuck with me. Brilliant! It's a powerful song. So it is. You must have a real. I feel like you have a real emotional connection then to um, music. Yeah, yeah. Because of your father. Yeah, um, yeah. Music's a, it's uh, like between music and being a father. That's that's my two things now. now. And uh, yeah. So Glenn, you're saying that you're like a family man, and that your kids and music are the two most important things in your life. Mm-hmm. So many kids have you got? I've got uh, two boys, Mark and Alex. And that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, um, yeah, I've been a father now since I was eighteen. So, uh, it uh, it's uh, it was uh, it was one of the biggest wake up calls. I think. No. Yeah, it, would it was be. like uh, I wanted to be a a good influence on yeah my sons. So, Glenn, leaving care uh, or not leaving care, but when you were in care, you came to include youth and joined the Give and Take scheme, you were a participant on yeah. the Give and Take scheme. Can you tell us a wee bit of why you came to Give and Take, how you came to Give and Take, and, and how Give and Take helped you, I yeah. suppose, if it did? Um, well, I, uh, I, I was when I was about 17, I met with someone from Give and Take. They said I'd be interested in it, and I, at that time I wasn't. And then about a year later, um, I lost uh, my... Uh, to twin boys, they they were stillborn, and I just needed something to take my mind off things. And uh, I remember saying to someone, "There must be someone out there." And they says, "Well, why don't you give, give and take a go again?" And I met up with yourself. That's when we met. Yeah. That's the day it happened. And uh, and I was like, "Yeah, give us a go and see how I get on." And then we started chatting about music and stuff like that. And then went. I wasn't really. Had a few gigs, but nothing, nothing uh, that uh, was worth talking about. So, and then he's found like uh, found like he's new to that on interest in music. You know, great. Maybe we can do something that down that line, and it became more. It became a very important part of my time and give and take because I was focusing on getting uh, my music out there and trying to get gigs. And, and I remember my first ever sober. <laughs> first ever time singing sober in front of people was through give and take. I remember well, Glenn. It was uh, the big fun day. Yeah. And it's just like a sports and recreational thing we do once a year. We just bring all the young people from all areas of give and take or include youth together and just have a good day- time. But we were blown away by the singing. Um, you got up there and there was like 300 people there and it was the first time you told me yeah. it was the first time I was singing in front of people sober <laughs> and people were talking about it for weeks after it what was the song? 
Um, the song that that day, I think, was about a boy, which that I wrote for um, that that day. Um, I wrote. I remember writing "Scribbling," because they wanted me to sing "The Devil's One." I was like, "No, I think I can write something for it." Yeah. And everybody was, and somebody said to me, "No, no chance. There's no way you can get it done." And I was like, "Great, we'll see." And I remember doing like the rough, the rough version of it in front of everybody, and he can't sing. Well, I was there, and and I, and I couldn't. We couldn't believe like we were talking about the devil's one, and we were saying that like it would be the perfect because there was a lot of important people that were coming to this event as well too. And Glenn says, "No, I'll write one. Give me fifteen months." <laughs> I was like, and the, and. Uh, the guy along with me was saying, "There's no way we can use it. No, it's too late in the in the evening." They start talking about new songs. Yeah, it was about half ten at night time. And then you went away and came back with about a boy. Uh, um, tell us about the reaction you got from that song. Well, the, the I just re, I remember like the first reaction when I was doing just singing. I was like, I was nowhere near. I wasn't happy with it in the news, but I was just letting you know that sort of the the vibe I was going for, or like yeah. the sort of, the way the song was, the the way I was, the, the whatever way the song was sort of going. And yeah, uh, so I was about this young fella, that was on the roll, and he, uh, he just seen all these people with educations, and and he was you know, sort of thinking, you, you all think you're better than me, but I, I can show you that I can be just, I can do as much as you can for, yeah, and, and that was the, the include your AGM. You actually sang at it, and it was yeah. in the Le Mans Hotel. Yeah, and you told me you cried. Or uh, there was uh, it was full with MLAs and who's who, and I cried. Uh. <laughs> but there wasn't there wasn't a dry eye in the in the house, and that and this was at ten a.m. in the morning. Do you know uh, it's hard to get people going? Yeah, I remember like uh, that's what I remember. I remember a few people. I was like, what's going on? Like, you know, like, and it's, it's an amazing song. Uh, and this is it. You can't 
So just talking a wee bit, a wee bit more about the, the Give and Take program, Glenn, would you recommend the Give and Take program? Yeah. Um, How did it help you? It, it helped me massively with confidence, um, confidence and even like skills. A guy didn't have any maths or English um, before I came to Give and Take. So that was, a, I went away with a few qualifications and, and uh it was a uh, really good look and like Ronan and at that time Tommy uh gave me like a lot of help like you know what I mean if I and it wasn't even it wasn't only when I was here like if I ever needed to talk to someone I could pick up the phone and say here boys you know what I mean so always felt supported I always felt supported when I was in give and take and that was uh and it was the first time really that I felt that from any, because I always felt, felt patronized in these kind of things, you know, mm-hmm. that's why I wasn't interested. But give and take uh, changed my mind and a lot of that stuff. Excellent. And the good thing about your story, and probably I would say is the most important detail, is it always comes around full circle. You're now coming on the Learning for Action program as an EBE, which is an expert by experience, yeah. because you have a wealth of knowledge. You can tell young people about the process you've been through. It's a process a lot of young people are going through at the minute. They probably have a lot of the same angers and frustrations. So it's about bringing you on now this new program and giving you the skills and capacity to teach other young people. And also you want to be a youth leader or a youth worker. So we're going to do like qualifications and youth work and hopefully lead you down that path because it's an interest of yours now. Yeah. You want to give back? Yeah, it's been an interest for a... A long time, but I just didn't feel like the time was right uh, for me. You know, to be talking to young people really. You know, I, didn't, I felt like I just I wasn't ready to do that. And now I feel the time is right. And like it's like you know, we we're chatting about music. Like music saving my life. Well, I would like to sort of help someone find something to save theirs. Like you would have experienced now, Glenn, as being self-employed. Yeah. Um. Can you tell us a wee bit about that? What What was your job? My job. Uh, well, I mean, before you know, I know you're coming. I know that your work was something that you really wanted to do. Yeah. But COVID then hit. Yeah, I was I was flat out doing music. I was you know gigging all over the country really, and uh, I was in the middle of making my album, and COVID nineteen hit, and everything just came to a standstill. And really, I no, I don't know when it's going to start up again. So that that's a scary thought. I mean, because um, so I, and then with all that too, it was like it felt like the perfect time to get involved in the youth work thing again and start thinking about it. And because I was thinking about going back to college or whatever, and uh, really going down this route. 
because I, I feel like I, I can really help someone. Perfect. I think you've just so much to give back because you've a great story, you've great experiences, you've done it all in terms of care homes and uh, trauma, and I just think you've so much to give back, and I think it's a great idea. So just on that, so for anybody listening to this, the young people that we want to inspire, the young people we want to help and support, what what would you recommend? What would be the one good message if you had to give? If you had to go back and speak to yourself back when you were in that time, yeah. what would you say? What what would be the main point? <clears throat> well, I think I think it'd be whatever you're interested in, put all no, put everything in it, give it a hundred and ten percent. So if it's hairdressing, barbering, no sport, football, no, whatever it is that you're interested in. For you, it was music. For me, it was music. Concentrate on that and and. Uh, the people that's trying to help you, listen to them. That'd be another thing. You know what I mean? Because not everyone's out there. They no, not everybody out there is judging you. Some people are looking to help. So um, I'd, I'd listen to the people that's trying to help you. And, don't push uh, them away. I don't push people away because I did a lot of that for years, and uh, um, it just made things tougher for a lot longer. I think, and that's why I always say no, no. <clears throat> It's like when I look back, it was sort of like a 50-50 thing. There was some me, personally, not letting people on and pushing people away and and then whatever. But um, so I think let people on and concentrate on someone that you really love and whatever that is, don't just give it your all. I think that's a brilliant message because nobody's got anywhere without any help. You know, and you have yeah. to let people help you to, to uh, achieve your dreams. And what's the old saying is if, is if you do something you love, you never have to work another day in your life? Yeah, well, that's what they say, yeah. Great message, Glenn. Thank you very much for coming on today. Um, I hope as many young people as possible get to hear your story because I think it's a great story. No problem, thank you. Thank you.